Welcome to Elevated Voices Podcast, where we value using our voice collectively to explore life challenges, including mental health, addiction, trauma, and ways to heal. With our voice, we empower, encourage, and transform lives. I'm your host, Daishika Bibbs, a certified trauma-focused therapist, licensed clinical social worker, and licensed certified addiction specialist. As we embark on this journey together, let's elevate our voice to echo the sound for the voiceless. Welcome, 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 welcome. Today, we have a phenomenal guest in the building. She is an inspirational, passionate woman who have traveled across the states to teach, empower, and inspire others. She is the author of 15 Reasons Why I Kept Fighting, as well as the CEO of a women's organization entitled It's Worth the Fight, which pushes women and men to fulfill their purpose and destiny despite their hardships with emotional, physical, spiritual, and mental abuse. She has also appeared on the Word Network to tell her powerful, inspirational story. Elevated Voices Podcast would like to welcome Tish Dorsey to the show. Welcome, Tish. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you. I am excited as well, and the pleasure is all mine. Tish, I am blown away by your powerful testimony, I was like, you know what? I just have to have her on the show. And when I originally heard your story, I was like, now, if this is not triumph, I don't know what is. You have faced so many hardships. Mm -hmm. You experienced grief and loss. You experienced divorce. You experienced your struggle with alcoholism, as well as your own mental health challenges. Wow. And I sit here and I listen to you letting me know, reminding me of everything I went through. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm still here. I'm still surviving. To God be the glory. Oh my goodness. It amazes me how you can go through so many things and think that you're not going to survive. And then years later, you're still here and you're still surviving. So all praise goes to God for that. Like for me, just still standing, still walking around with a right mind. You know, your past sometimes show back up. It kind of sneaks back up on you. But I just thank God because his his protection, I'm still here. And I now know that those battles that I didn't know how to fight then, I know how to fight now. Right. We go through so much. A lot of us experience, you know, shame, pain, disappointment. And we bottle all of that inside of us. When we're going through it, it's like, Will I survive? Because whatever you're going through at that moment, the emotions are so intense. It feels like I can't catch a break. And so a lot of us, in order to cope with those things, we turn to drugs. We turn to everything else. It feels like somebody is literally choking the life out of you when you go through these detrimental things. You can't breathe. You can't catch a break. I think not too long, a few weeks ago, I was like, oh my goodness, I, I feel like I can't bounce back for certain things in my past. And then God reminds me, no, no, this is how you fight. Remember, you have an organization called It's Worth the Fight. This is how you fight. You're telling people how to fight, but then you want to give up on the fight. You want to complain about the fight. No. So I think that, yes, uh, we 
just forget sometimes in the state that we are in that God can literally bring us out of that. I think we forget sometimes. And it's okay because we're human. You know, there were times when I was going through things. I didn't want no scriptures. Don't tell me about Jesus. Don't (laughs) read me no scriptures. Don't do that to me. I'm very transparent. I I remember telling at the time um, my mom, who I come from a line of pastors, a family pastors. And I remember telling the majority of my family, stop quoting scriptures to me about what I'm going through. And then sometimes maybe I want to sit in this mess. Maybe I want to feel the pain. But then sometimes it's just like I brought I got myself here. I need to get myself out. And I, I think we sometimes forget that God is the ultimate healer. And he's the one that's going to be able to bring us out if we just continue to hold on. And there were times I didn't hold on. So, yeah, we forget sometimes that he he's he's the one. He's the one. Exactly. He is. And you're right. Sometimes we forget that and we give up on ourselves. And in doing so, you know, we fall to, again, like I said, everything else but but him. And I know that was one of your struggles, alcohol. Yes. Alcohol was my very best friend. I started drinking maybe at 17. And at that time, it was just recreation. I'm a senior in high school. I'm hanging out with friends. But then it started getting addictive and I started drinking even more. I liked the way it felt. I didn't have to deal with certain situations. Even in in my teen years, I I was sexually assaulted. And I would think to myself, maybe I need to stop drinking so I can realize what's going on. But being sexually assaulted drove me more to the alcohol because I didn't want to feel that pain. I just started. And at the time when I I think I, I got married at 27 and I had stopped completely of drinking, I stopped completely. I didn't even like the smell of it. But Getting to being married for 10 years and being married to a pastor, I didn't have time to really think about that. I had a reputation that I needed to portray. I was a first lady, so I I had to portray that. So drinking was just out, although I wanted to sometimes. Drinking was out. And I think that after my divorce is when the past revisited me again, and I didn't have no control over it. It was morning, I had to have it. Noon, I had to have it. At night, I had to have it because it was a coping mechanism for me. That's how I was coping with not just my divorce, but everything that I lost because of my divorce. So the drinking became my best friend. And I wrote about it in my book. I'm like, this was my best friend. I didn't trust nobody else but the bottle. It sounds funny, but it's the truth. Right. I didn't trust anything else. I didn't trust nobody else but that bottle. I know for some people who may be listening, they might say that does sound weird. But for me as a clinician, it doesn't sound weird at all because that bottle is not going to lie to you. That bottle is not going to hurt your feelings. That bottle is not going to let you down. That bottle is going to be right there every single day in that same exact spot. You can count on it because it's going to be right there. So it makes perfect sense to me. That bottle was consistency. Everything else that happened in your life, it went out the window. It blew up, but alcohol, consistent. Consistent. My best friend. I I remember like just laying in the house at night, going through this divorce, losing a lot of friends, losing even some family members wasn't even loyal then. Um, And I remember the bottle being there. So I felt comfortable with who was there for me. And my mind is like, well, this is the thing that's there for you. You can't count on nobody else, but you can count on that bottle. You can count on that bottle. That bottle was, like you said, sit in the same place. It was waiting for me when I got home from work. It was waiting for me when I woke up in the morning. 
It was waiting for me when I went to bed at night. That was the most loyalist friend I had. Right. And let me point out something that you said prior to the divorce. You were sexually assaulted and you used alcohol to mask the pain of what you were feeling. And during that time, you were also in church, actively in church. I can only imagine the shame, the embarrassment that went through your mind being sexually assaulted, but then also the alcohol component was there and presenting that to to mom and saying, you know, this is what happened to me. I was under the influence. But then being a church girl at the time, how would your church folks look at you? Um, Like I was just the most nastiest person. (laughs) Like I was just, and these are people I grew up with in church. These are people, you know me, you know my heart, you know who I am. And my mom actually, I was doing an interview on the Word Network. She actually didn't know until that interview. She sat in the studio with my ex-husband now. She said they sat in the studio and they watched me tell this story. And that was their very first time, well, my mom's very first time hearing the fact that I was sexually assaulted and she was devastated. But the majority of the people who did know, the friends who was there that night, judged me as if it was something was wrong with me because I I was drinking. In everybody else's mind, Tish should have had control over what she was doing, over that bottle, over that drink, over those drinks. I should have had control. So the church looked at me as your grandmother is a pastor. She has five churches under her. Your mom is a preacher. Your brother is becoming a minister. What's really going on? I guess they thought I was a heathen. I guess they, you know, they were saying I was a sinner and all this and that. But what I really needed at that point was somebody to say, hey, I see you. I see what you're dealing with. Let me talk to you. Exactly. But nobody was just pointing the finger at this is Tish. This is the granddaughter of that person. This is the daughter of that person. But Tish, it is so easy for people to point fingers. Yes. It is so easy for people to judge. And I know I have heard the saying that our church folks are the worst. At the end of the day, guys, you have to remember the same people that are involved in the church Mm -hmm. are just that people. It has nothing to do with God himself, the word itself, but people and people will disappoint you. That's just it, it comes along with our humanity. You know, we're we're not perfect. We fall short and it is really easy to judge. Yes, it is. It's really easy. It's sometimes we do it and I don't even realize we're doing it. It's so easy to do it. Yes. You you hit the nail on the head when you said, instead of people judging me, they should have pulled me closer to them, loved on me, educated me, supported mm-hmm. me. I would have been more open to hearing that and seeing the concerns, the love that they were showing versus the spitefulness of, oh, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. Oh, you shouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. And being, you know, belittled and looked down upon. Yeah, you're right. When that interview actually aired, I remember receiving so many messages, some of love and some of, well, why you never said nothing? Why you didn't tell me? Mainly my family is, why did I have to hear it on national TV? At that time, I'm like, listen, I I said it. I put my story out there. It's not 
for you guys to get mad, but hopefully to change somebody else's life that they don't make the same mistake that I made and didn't talk about it. Right. But find somebody to talk about it. But no one thought like that. Everybody was like, well, why you never said nothing to me? I could have did this. No, nobody could have did anything. I got the backlash from my family, but the support from friends. When I should have got support from family and friends, I guess because they found out on national TV that that's what had transpired in my life. Right. And just hearing that, the question that I have is, would it have made a difference if you would have came to those individuals and said, hey, guys, this is what's going on. I need help. Because a lot of people will will tell you what they would have done if you would have done this. But it's like, right. I don't know. Yeah. And that's not just your family. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's anybody's family, you know, including mine. And so it's like, well, if I would have made that phone call to you, would you have picked up the phone? And then would you have sat on the phone and helped me process whatever it is I was going through? Honestly, truly been the support that I need. And sometimes the answer is sometimes family is not, unfortunately. Right. Sometimes it is a complete friend or a complete stranger. You're right. And that's why I have close relationships now with people who are strangers rather than, you know, family. Right. I I have some people who are strangers know me more than my own family does. Right. How did that take a toll on your mental health? Wow. Um, I cried so many times, so many nights because I felt like I could not depend on my mom. My father is deceased. My brother, who just recently passed, he was the only one, the only one that would travel up to Pennsylvania to see about me when I was going through that, when I was going through that depression stage, when I was going through that mental stage. I I remember driving to work, wanting to go across the embankment, and my brother calls me right before then. I mean, I was seeing things. I was feeling things. I was losing it if I didn't lose it. Right. There are so many times that I think about it. I actually did lose it, but I was going crazy. But it was one voice besides God, I think, that really carried me through. And that was my brother. Everybody else. And he's the baby. He's the one with the wife, the children. He had all of that. So how could he possibly be there? But for me, and I'm the oldest, but that was the only thing that really I kind of held on to. But my mom wasn't there for me. My other brother wasn't there for me. I don't have any sisters unless it's in-laws, but they weren't there for me. So I was literally losing. But every time I felt like I was losing, there was a phone call or there was a knock at my door and it was him. But I know for a fact of losing what I thought was my mind. Like I literally remember seeing things on the wall. I was going through it. Right. And that was another reason why I depended on the alcohol because I would get so intoxicated that it would put me to sleep. I don't see things anymore when I sleep. And that was the only thing that was keeping me. So it was devastating not to have who I needed there at the time, which would have been my mother. But we didn't have a perfect relationship. Okay. So it was a lot of things that was just going on that contributed to me being an alcoholic. Everything that you said makes sense. And the reason why it makes sense is when an individual suffers a trauma like you, when an individual have a lot of hardship or family conflict, losing someone, and when you do not have someone to turn to that you can process 
all of those emotions and those thoughts with, that's when things take a turn for the worst. Yes. And I know I talk to so many different people in my career as a clinician. They always ask, well, how did I end up at this point? How did life get so bad that I felt like I was losing control? And I said, it's not the fact of how did life get so bad? Because we all experience life is the fact of number one, did you have someone there to support you through your process, through that hardship, through that divorce, through that loss? The second component to that is how well do you cope? And did you have the tools to cope with that? Because for some of us growing up, we're never taught how to deal with problems. We're never taught how to deal with those things that cut us so deep that it feels like it has sucked the soul out of our body. Never. Because a lot of us have been told your emotions don't matter. Yes. Suck it up. Emotions don't pay bills. Yes. Why are you crying? That's for a weak person. Get over it. And we have all of this embedded in our mind plan in the back of our mind, like a CD. And when we experience these things, instead of having that confidence to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to pick up the phone and I'm going to talk to somebody about this. We hold it in and all of that begins to stew Mm -hmm. into a much bigger problem. And so if I'm stewing in all of this and the depression sets in, the anxiety sets in, the shame sets in, the guilt sets in, The only thing that I could possibly do is turn to something that could help mask those emotions. And again, whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, some people turn to sex, some people turn to food, some people turn to gambling, whatever that vice may be to help cope. Tish, you have created not only your book, but you have created an awesome organization. It's worth the fight. What inspired you to actually go forth with that project? It is my baby. It was established in 2013. It stems from my testimony of being sexually assaulted. I remember um, just laying in the dark, crying my eyes out, saying it's my fault. I shouldn't have did this. I shouldn't have did that. I shouldn't have drank anything. And I don't want to live anymore. And I heard a voice that says, but you have to fight because it's worth it. Clear as day. And I remember looking up like, okay, I'm really losing it right now. (laughs) And I heard it again, but you have to fight. And I said to this voice who I, I know for a fact now that it's God, that I don't know how to fight. How can I fight if I don't know how to fight? I'm just gonna keep getting beat down. I'm just gonna keep me in this punching bag because I don't know how to fight. I don't know how to defend myself. So that's when, you know, I started um, going to therapy and everything. And I started praying more and I started reading scriptures and I started just feeding my spirit. I said to myself, I know there are many women who's been in the same, same predicament that I've been in. How can I not survive, even if it's just for one woman? And that's where it's worth the fight comes from. And we just recently, maybe two years ago, added men to it. Because guess what? Men go through the same thing too. Men get sexually assaulted too, even as young teenagers. And they still deal with the trauma of it 
as a grown person. That's why sometimes they don't know how to love. We don't know how to love sometimes because of everything that we've been through. So why not extend my organization to the men? And it's been it's been phenomenal. So what we do is I get my colleagues from the tri-state area here down south. I'm now I'm residing in Charlotte and we come together quarterly. And we have an event and we bring in speakers to come and and speak and empower and teach and inspire other men and women who's been through those things. I mean, it doesn't even have to be sexually assaulted. I mean, it doesn't have to. It could be anything that has become so traumatic in their lives. And we speak life into them. And at the end of the event, we give back to them. We give them whether it's food, clothes, hygiene products. We just want to give back to encourage, hey, you've been through that. You can get through it because if he did it for me, he can do it for you. And that's such a powerful word. A lot of our communities are missing that. And you're doing this on an adult level. But just imagine if we had something that was created for young adults. Yes. If an organization like that was around when you were sexually assaulted, how that would have impacted your life in a different way. Yep. Yes. And so I just want to thank you so much for listening to that voice and doing (laughs) all the legwork because I know that running the organization is not easy, but it is necessary. And I just want to thank you for that. I love the fact that you are pouring back into other men and women who have Mm -hmm. struggled with, like you said, anything. It doesn't have to be the sexual abuse any emotional, any physical, any mental, spiritual, anything that you're going Mm -hmm. through, because you and your organization may just be the one thing that saves that person's life. Thank you for allowing this platform to be so that someone else can know that it is truly worth their fight to keep fighting. It's good. It got to get better. That's how I keep, you know, telling myself it got to get better. I don't care what I'm experiencing right now. It got to get better and it will get better. And God hasn't let me down yet. It's not saying that I won't go through the trials or I won't go through the tests um, because there is purpose. And whenever you have purpose for your life, you're going to go through some things to remind you, oh, you got purpose for your life. But it is to say that because of the purpose that's on your life, you got to keep fighting because it's worth it. And in the end, you'll see that it's, it's, it was well worth it. Yeah. One of the things that an old friend shared with me is that you have to go through something in order to know something. You have to be able to go through trials and tribulations to get those life experiences to say, you know what? This is how my life used to be. This is what my life is now. And this is where I am trying to get to. And you can't do that not experiencing something. Right. That's how we grow. That's how we learn. That's how we, like you said, find our purpose, because some of us haven't gone through anything yet. And some of us are living with no purpose at all. And you have to find a purpose. Absolutely. 100 percent agree with that. For any listeners out there that may be confused, that may be scared, that may be on the verge of calling it quits, what positive advice would you like to give to them? Don't quit. I know that it may seem hard. I know that it may seem that this is a never, whatever this, whatever your this may be, it's a never ending battle, that it's a never ending chance. And I know sometimes it may even seem as if 
goodness, didn't I just come out of this? Why am I going to go back through this test again? But what I can say to you is to never give up because it's worth the fight. Keep fighting. There is purpose in your fight. There is power in your fight. I know that because there were times where I would cry every single day because I didn't understand what was going on in my life. And I was mad at God. I was really, really mad at God. Like, God, this is not what you promised. You didn't say I was going to go through a divorce. You didn't say I was going to get sexually assaulted. You didn't say I was going to lose everything. You didn't say I was going to be homeless. And I would get mad at God. And God is so loving because he would never retaliate on me. Even though I was mad at him, God is love. So he never retaliated. He knew my heart. He knew what I was saying. But he also knew that I was going to come through it. And he he knew I was going to try my best to keep fighting. And that little inch that you take, that little step that you take, that mustard seed of faith that you take, it will be worth it in the end. I'm not going to tell anybody to stop crying. Keep crying. Keep asking God why. You know, and sometimes it burns me up when people say you can't question God. Well, to me, that's a lie because Isaiah 45 and 11 tells us that command ye the work of my hands. You better ask God what's going on in your world. You better ask God why you keep going through the same test over and over again. Why this person keep messing with you? Why this person keep breaking your heart? I'm not getting ready to go through no test and no trial and don't ask God why I'm going through this. Right. No, when the Bible says that we could do that, that's what we're supposed to do. So I always tell people, never say you can't question God. Yes, you can. He tells us to. The word tells us to. So keep fighting, keep pushing. It's worth it in the end. I promise you, there is a rainbow at the end of the tunnel. There is a pot of gold at the end of the tunnel. There is God at the end of the tunnel and God will walk through it with you. He will walk through it with you. And again, it's not saying that you're going to have, you're not going to have any more bad days because that's what life is. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have some ups and downs. The solution to that is to wake up every morning and say, you know what? I got this day. Even if you feel like you don't have it, I'm going to seize this day. Even if you feel like you can't. You don't have the power. Depression is pulling you down. Oppression is hitting you hard. My family acting crazy. My husband acting crazy. My children. But God is worth He can do it all. He can fix it all. Just keep fighting. Keep fighting. And I wish I had somebody to say that in my ear when I was going through what I was going through at the time. Married to a pastor for 10 years. Divorced. Sexually assaulted. Homeless. Slept in my car for two days. I went through all of that for today to tell somebody else that if God did it for me, he can definitely do it for you. Well, guys, you have heard it directly from Tish. She has been through so many things, guys. If God can do it for her, he can do it for you. So Tish, can you please let our listeners know where they can find you? I am on all social media outlets. I am Tish Dorsey on Facebook, Tish Ann Dorsey on Instagram. I am Tish Dorsey on Twitter. You can Google me. My organization will pop up every time my name pop up. So I'm accessible to everyone. All right, guys, you heard her. Thank you so much, Tish, for taking the time out to just give us your story. And I know that that's not even half of it. But thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I'm so happy to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. You're welcome. Thank you for tuning in to Elevated Voices Podcast, where we enjoy using our voice to share information which promotes growth and change. Never feel like you are alone. Join our Elevated Voices Podcast community at Elevated Voices underscore on both Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned to bi-weekly episodes wherever you get your podcast. If there is a topic that you would like me to cover, or if you have questions, 
you can send me an email via my Elevated Voices Podcast Facebook page. And remember, don't forget to let your voice be heard.